Well, good morning, everybody. No, no, it's huzzah, all right? We not learned nothing, all right? Good to see you all here today. Welcome if you're joining us online. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to keep diving in and, and talking about uh, continuing our Money Talk series today, and now that's when all the huzzahs die, right? Money Talks, huzzah. <laughs> but... Um, I'm excited to keep diving into this. I know that I've been, been challenged and growing in, in what I'm learning about what the Bible says about finances and good stewardship, and we're going to keep diving into this today. And um, if you're joining us uh, for the first time in a while, we've been talking about money for a few weeks, and I know I've said this each week, but I think every week since we started, I've seen some new people. And so I want to preface it with, I'm sorry if you haven't been here in a couple years or however long it's been, a couple months, weeks, and the first thing you hear is the pastor talking about money. But... We're not talking about money in the sense of you need to give us all your money. But what we're really talking about here is what does the Bible say about spending money and using money and about all of our stuff for a number of reasons. Um, the first one is that, that God talks about money. He talks about it a lot. There's, we've said there's over 2,000 verses in Scripture and many parables about money and possessions. And so that's one of the reasons we're like, you know what? The Bible talks about it so much. I had never talked about it before since coming here. It's like, let's, let's dive into what the word says about money and stuff. And I, like I said, I've been learning a lot and really enjoying what God is saying to me about all this. So uh, another reason is, is that the gospel is, is the good news, right? Someone says, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news, what Jesus did for all of us. And it's, God, it's that God has acted in Jesus Christ to save us. That's the best news in the world, right? You may say, what does this have to do about money? And I'll, I'll get there. But Jesus came to save us. And he came, and this is, this is the best gift in the world. No, nothing is as valuable as what Jesus did and what he paid for us. And since he did that for us, what this means is he rescued all of me. Every single last bit of me was rescued by Christ. And, and that a relationship has been established, and his plan is to work and redeem every single part of me. And that includes the spiritual, the physical, and the material. Meaning that once he, once he saved all of me, all I have, all I am is his. And that leads, importantly, with my finances as well. He saved me and my finances are a part of me. And then the, uh, lastly, we're not talking about money because we're desperate for cash. So I don't want anyone to, to think that I'm only talking about it because I just want everyone to give money. That's not why we're talking about it. This church has been extremely generous, and, and I love seeing what God does through the giving here. Uh, we talked about how we've been able to bless missionaries, and a couple of the missionaries that we've actually blessed that we helped with one of their trips to Thailand are joining us today, and it's been so fun to hear that you know we helped send them to Thailand, and they got to send. Real quick, how many Bibles did you pass out in Thailand? And, and so that's, that's amazing that we get to be a part of spreading out Bibles. And they were doing physical Bibles and digital Bibles that were translated. It was so cool. So this is, we're not talking about money in a place of desperation. We, God is working in amazing ways in the finances and what we're able to do here. So I never want to talk about money in a sense of, guys, we're hurting. Give me money now. That's not what this is about. But this is really just about understanding what does God say about it. So let's pray and welcome God in this morning as we continue to, to dive in and see what he has to say about all of our stuff. God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that, um, that you are the king of everything. You are the king of our finances. You're the king of our whole lives, God. I pray that as we, as we dive more into your word, you open up our eyes, you open our hearts, and open our minds, God, to what you have to say on how we can more, give more of ourselves to you and give you our whole heart, nothing less. We thank you, love you, and everybody said, amen. amen. 
So last week we looked at hoarding money. We talked a little bit about the show Hoarders and kind of this mentality people have of, of hoarding stuff, specifically with money. And there, there's people that, that do that, but today I want to look at the opposite of hoarding. The opposite of hoarding would be then the spending. You know, money, money talks, it'll say, spend me, spend me. And when I was a kid, I know I suffered from this, money burned a hole in my pocket. I, I would do something and I'd earn allowance, even if it was just you know, five bucks for doing this. Or My parents had a really good racket going when I was a kid where they, we would get nickels for chores. And we'd be like, Dustin, if you do this, you'll get 20 nickels. I was like, yes! You, know, you learned later that was a buck. But you know, it was like, you know, okay. But, but when I got whatever my payment was, I wanted to spend it. I wanted to go to the candy store. I, just, I, I had to spend it right away. And there's some of us, though, never, never grow out of that mentality. Money just burns a hole in your pocket. You have to go use it right away. Now, for some of us, money does that. We say, what can I buy? What can I buy? Some people are on the opposite, and you think of saving first. I know that um, in, in our family, we have a spender and we have a saver. And in our premarital counseling, that was the point of contention. <laughs> Saving and spending. What are we going to do? What direction are we going to go? Some people think of, what do I, I want to get? And, and it's just because you like to spend. And some people say, but I want to save because what, what do I want to do? I want to be prepared. And how do you balance these two lifestyles out? Ben Franklin said this for people that were short of money. He said, there are two ways to solving your money problems, augmenting your means or diminishing your wants. In simple terms, he said, he said this, make more money or spend less money. Those are your choices. Make more or spend less. Today, we're going to talk about spending. Spend some time, what do, what do we know about spending? What does the Bible say about spending? Because money talks and money says, spend me. It says, spend me. Show of hands, how many people like to spend money? I'll have my hand up. I like to spend money. I do. I do. I, 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 my Amazon wish list, I think, is about $3.4 million now, right? <laughs> I wish I could spend it. But money says spend me. It's one of the easiest things we can do with money is just go spend it. Find something we want. Find something that looks cool. We are a nation of spenders. The United States in general, this is a nation that likes to spend. We are recreational shoppers. We have the urge to splurge so much. And there's, there's some spend, some people will spend all the money they make. Live paycheck to paycheck, spend it all. Get it, spend it, get it, spend it. They don't save, don't give, it's just spend it. And some people end up spending more than they make. More than they make, and then that leads to a life of debt. And that's really, really hard to get out of. For many people, spending can be really, really fun until something arrives. That nice envelope in the mail that says, Visa. And you're like, and you, you got to do that check, right? You're like, okay. What's this going to look like? What's this going to look like? Especially if you just did like a trip to Disneyland or something, then you, you purposefully don't check online because you just don't want to see it until you absolutely have to. But that bill comes. For some people, it can be a sigh of relief, like, all right, we're good. For some people, how many people have been here? You open that bill up and it's just, it's pain. You're like, ooh, this was a bad month. We weren't keeping track this month. And the secret to not falling into debt is something so simple. It's something so simple, yet millions and millions of people across the United States don't practice this. You know what it is? Really simple. It's not rocket science. Spend less than you make. That, that's the real secret to not falling in debt, right? Spend less than you make. Let, let's say that together, everyone. Ready? Spend less than you make. If you live by that, then you won't fall into that opening the bill and be like, oh no, <laughs> what's going to happen? 
we're eating McDonald's this month, and that never makes anybody feel good, right? <laughs> we're a nation of spenders, and someone, someone once said it this way, we like to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even know. Think of that. We like to buy things with, with money we don't have to impress people we don't, really, we don't really know, right? Our problem is not that we don't earn enough, it's that we spend too much. That we can easily fall on that top of spending too much. As a nation of spenders, we're called consumers, right? We're a consumer nation, a consumer society. And it's an interesting label. The consumer lifestyle is characterized by these three things. The consumer lifestyle, the first one is greed. Consumer lifestyle is greed. It says, I want more. Like Veruca from Willy Wonka, right? I want the world. I want more. I got to have it. And the second is this. The second is being discontent. You just want more stuff. You just want more. You, you look at everything you have and you think, but I, I want more. I've got to complete this collection. I've got I've to finalize this. I've got to have more to fill my shelves. I'm tired of this old stuff. Or we have impulse spending. I've got to have it now. And Amazon two-day and now same-day shipping has just fed right into that, right? If I go on to Amazon and it goes, if you order the next 20 minutes, it'll get delivered today. I'm like, oh, I didn't really think I needed this, but I can get it today, right? We want it now. Luke 12, starting in verse 13, Jesus is asked a question, and he tells this parable. It says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then, <laughs> then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up for them things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. There are lots of things said here and a lot of lessons we can pull and a lot of things that can be taken out of context from this story. So let me tell you what Jesus does not say in this story, because sometimes I've heard people say this is what Jesus is saying. I do not believe Jesus is saying these things. He is not saying it's wrong to plan ahead. He is not saying it's wrong to plan ahead. He's not saying don't save for the future. Don't plan for retirement. Jesus is not saying don't be prepared. He is not saying it's wrong to retire. Every one of us looks forward, I look forward to the retirement day, right? He is not looking, he's not saying it's wrong to retire. He is not saying it's wrong to expand unless having has you. It's not, it's not wrong to have or expand unless the having is what has you in the first place. 2 Corinthians 10 says that God has given us each a lot in field, a life to live within. And Paul understood this when he was writing this letter. He understood what God had told him, what God had given him. He said, I'm going to live in the area God had given me, and I'm not going to try and go beyond and expand for my own selfish gain. I'm going to expand as God expands. I'm going to work with God with what he's given me. Paul lived in this. The problem is so many of us feel like I need to get bigger because I just want more and more and more, and that becomes what our mindset is. And it's like this guy saying, I just have so much, I got to get more. I have to now get bigger this because I have so much, I, I, I need more space for all of my stuff. Jesus is really saying here, he's saying, be on guard. 
Be on guard against the greed and leading of materialism, right? It's, it's not often talked about. So, so what is materialism then, right? If Jesus is saying, guard yourself from materialism, what do we need to guard ourselves from? I believe he's saying this. So material, materialism is a desire for what we don't have or wanting more of what we already have enough of. So we spend more. So we decide, I'm going to go spend more. Wanting more. This is what Jesus says, be on guard for this. Just because you have the, the money for it or you have this doesn't mean you have to get bigger and bigger and make things just more about ourselves. Watch out for this. Don't fall into greed. And what's interesting is when Jesus is asked this question, he's going over some really serious issues with people. He, he's really talking about the heart of God. And then it almost feels like this random question pops up. Jesus is like, you know, God loves you. God loves this. God, you know, we're going to heal people and, and show people what it means to love people. Jesus, tell my brother to give me inheritance. It's like, wait a second. This, it feels like it's out of left field. And he comes to Jesus with this dispute. Now, it was common in this culture for people to go to a rabbi to talk about inheritance, help us divide this up. But it feels like this just gets thrown out of left field. And Jesus refuses to be drawn into this dispute. He doesn't get involved and say, well, tell your brother to come here so I can tell him how to handle this. Instead, he uses this as a teaching moment. He says, I'm going to teach you guys about some materialism possessions now and what's the heart behind this. The guy says, Jesus, talk to my brother. What he's doing is not right. It's not his, what's taking place. This is not equitable. You need to talk to him. So Jesus, as he often did, gives a classic response. He asks a question. When you look at Jesus' interactions, he asks the best questions. He says, man, who made me judge or divider over you? This is not my area of concern. Now, it's important to note for those um, in or want to be involved in ministry, Jesus didn't come first and foremost to make things right or, or, or make bad people good or good people better. His mission was to make dead people alive, to bring life to people who were without God, without the love of Jesus. When that happens, when you come alive in God, when you experience this new life that he gives you, then things change. Then the heart gets molded. Then things can get better, but it starts first with him, not us and our stuff. It starts with him. A lot of ministry can get, can get bogged down in, in what someone did, what they said. Some things are major concerns. Some things can be minor concerns. But, but Jesus, the ultimate judge, says, who made me a judge in this matter? I'm not, a bar, I'm, not, I'm not here to sort out all of your stuff. I'm here to sort out your heart. More than anything, I want your heart. Give that to me first and we'll see what happens from here. So he gives a teaching, not to sort, but to speak to the heart of what was happening between these two brothers. So Jesus tells this parable where God even calls a man a fool. He says, you are a fool for doing this. You were a success from all outward appearances. You had the biggest storehouses. You had the biggest grain. You had everything. You were, you were Jerusalem's Fortune 500 poster child. But you're a fool because you didn't have me. Jesus gave a different take. And Jesus points out some things on this man. What we see with this guy is this man never saw beyond self. He had all of his stuff, but he never saw beyond self. Reading it again, look at these, look at these personal pronouns in uh, Luke 12, 17 and 18. He says this, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, I will do this. I will tear down and build bigger ones. I will store my grain, my goods. Then I'll say to myself, his thoughts and his words, this is, this is all about him. 
He keeps saying, this is me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ten times in three verses, he's concerned about what is he going to do with his abundance of stuff. It is an inward focus that lacked the upward acknowledgement of who had given him this stuff, who had allowed him to work, who had allowed him to get to this point in the first place. He ignored all of that and said, this is all about me. What can I spend so I can make more and make it more about me? He became very bloated. Now, I've said this every week for this, through the series. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. I don't want anyone to leave here thinking, I'm going to look at all my stuff at home, and Pastor Dustin said, get rid of everything I have. No, no, no. Nothing wrong with having your stuff. Jesus had stuff. Jesus used money. Jesus had money. We can have stuff. But the thing is, when that stuff becomes our master, when that stuff becomes the sole purpose, that's when we, when we stop acknowledging the one who gives us the stuff, then we fall into this mentality of this wealthy man who was all about himself. This man was focused on himself. This man also had a false assumptions that he believed. He believed his soul could be satisfied with his goods. He truly believed that if he just made bigger, bigger barns and bigger storage units, that he would get even happier and more joyful because he was just, everyone would see his stuff. He would be satisfied with his possessions. President Jimmy Carter said this. He said, the most prosperous nation in the world experiences the greatest stress. Our stress is built around a priority to consume and maintain. Our nation worships self-indulgence and consumption. Nailed it, right? This guy had bought into that mindset thousands of years before Jimmy Carter said it. He believed he would have long years to enjoy his goods. He said in this verse, he was going to build all this stuff and he was just going to eat, drink, and be merry and live his life with all of his stuff. Little did he know God was going to tell him, actually, today is it. Today you're done. We all know, he, he believed he, had, he knew everything, but God is all-knowing, and I know this about all of us. We all have a shelf life. We won't be here forever. I do know that, that tomorrow is not guaranteed for anyone or anything. I hope tomorrow's guaranteed. I, I hope I have a long life ahead of me, but I, I do know that anything can happen in an instant. In an instant, there could be tragedy on the road. In an instant, I could get a phone call from a doctor that says, hey, you only have this much. Everything can change in one instant. What we have here is very temporary, and we shouldn't be focused on just the things here. The man, this man had a, a selfish bent on getting more for himself, but death had a finality that precludes him his ability to use the things that he wanted to store up for himself to use. And what I, what I learned from this man is that it's really about accountability, not accumulation. It really is about accountability, not accumulation. How are we being accountable to what we're using? Not just can we get more, get more, get more, but how are we going to use it? Who's holding us accountable? Are we holding ourselves accountable? Luke 12, 15 says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This, this, this one this one hits me because, um, I, like I said, I, I like stuff, and I often fall into the got to have more stuff. And if you're ever in, in my office, um, if, you, if you get past the throw-up that you may see with the Bay Area sports stuff all in my office, um, you'll, you'll see that, that I do like stuff, and I have some, some autographed stuff from some Giants players and 49ers players, and, and I like these things. And I remember in, when I was younger, um, there was a big part of me that just wanted to see how much stuff can I get. And when I, we did a wedding here uh, yesterday, and it was really fun for me, the, the person that got married, that I got to do a ceremony, his, his name is Chris, and he was one of my students when I was a youth pastor in California. 
And so he moved up here and he, uh, he comes here now and he's, he's not here today, he's on his honeymoon. But he comes here now and all the groomsmen were my youth students from California. So I hadn't seen them in over two years and it was so fun to be here and see my students and they came into my office and they were like, Dustin, look at all your stuff. And of course I was like, guys, it's the same stuff as in my office in California. It's all the same stuff. But, but there was a part of me that was like, I do have some good stuff. This is really cool. But I've got to keep myself in check. As cool as that stuff is, that's not the point. The point is being able to honor God with my heart first and foremost. The stuff is secondary to God, right? We need to be careful. We need to be on our guard because possessions can possess the person rather than you possessing the thing. Stuff can be our drive. It can be we want to spend, spend, spend to get more, 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 and that possesses us instead. It's not the accumulation of things in life, <clears throat> but the day is coming where there will be an accountability for our lives that we have to answer for. And the tragedy of this parable isn't what, what this man, uh, what he faced leaving behind on earth, but man, he was storing so much here on earth that he wasn't putting any effort into storing his treasures in heaven. What was he going to do to make an eternal impact? What was he going to do for the kingdom, right? He didn't have any upward focus. It was all right here. There was nothing to show for any stewardship of, of Jesus. No, no leading people to show the love of God. It was all about him. He was consumed with the kingdom of stuff instead of the kingdom of God. The, the past two years that I've been here, I've been here for almost two and a half years now, I think um, I, I, was, I was going through in my head just the, this was the first wedding that I got to do in this church in the past two years. But on the flip side, I've, I think I've either been to or officiated or been a part of over seven memorial services. There's a scripture that, that I read at one, Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 3 says this, it's better to attend a funeral than a feast. It's better to attend a funeral and a feast. And, and when you look at this verse, what it's saying is it's saying that remember that, that time is short. Remember that time is short. We're all going to have that day where we're going to stand before God. We will stand right before him and, and we're going to have to look at our lives. We're going to have to stand before and say, you know what? This, God gets to say, this is what you did for the kingdom. And I, would, I, I, can't, I want Jesus to look at me and say, hey, I, I did this with you. I blessed you with this and this is how you used it to serve me, not... This is what you had, and man, it really looked good on, really looked good on paper, but, but what did we do? I want, to be able to, I want Jesus to be able to say, man, I gave you, you were such a good steward of what I did. Thank you for serving and loving. We're all going to get to that point. Luke 12, 21 says this, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. I don't want to be like that rich man. I want to make sure I'm storing my treasure in heaven. And the way I store my treasure in heaven is by investing in loving people here, showing them who Jesus is here, and using the, the resources God has given me to be a good steward and show people that Jesus loves them. Pastor Terry was talking, and he had said this line, and I loved it. He said, small men or women seek to get, great men or women seek to be. I love that. Great men or women seek to be. And then in my life, I, I don't want to just live a life of getting. I want to be something. And what I get to be is a child of God who serves and loves him. You can tell who a great person is because they're always seeking to be more and become more like Jesus in each and every way of their life, including their finances, more and live the way that he wants us to live. And I, say, I think I say this every week, but I feel like this, this comes up and it's, it's got to be, <laughs> the fact that this keeps coming up as I'm studying this and diving in, if you take anything away from this money series, this Money Talk series, take this. It's a heart issue. 
when it comes to our finances, it is a heart issue. Luke 12, 34, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Jesus follows up on this parable on the, the man who was rich and had much with the story of those who didn't have much and they needed to trust God. And Jesus said, your heart will follow your treasure, not your treasure follows your heart. Your heart will follow your treasure. It, it's really like a, a young man who turns to his girlfriend, and maybe they've been dating for a long time, and he tells her, he says, I want you to marry me. You know I don't have a beautiful ski boat, a Porsche, a vacation house, a cabin. I don't even own my house like Bob Johnson, but I love you with all my heart. And then she looks at him and she goes, I know, I love you too, but tell me more about Bob. <laughs> right? It's pursuing the stuff instead of the person. I don't want to pursue the stuff, I want to pursue Jesus. We love Jesus, but sometimes we, we experience that same kind of tension, right? We're like, Jesus, this, 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 but, but maybe you should give me this instead. Tell me more about how I can acquire this. Yes, Lord, I love you, but what about this new thing? I have to work longer and harder for stuff. It may not be available to serve as much because I, I really want to buy this for me just because. It's only for a short time, though, God. We'll make a deal. I'll, I'll do this for me, and then I'll come back to you. And then we're missing the heart of the issue where God doesn't want just part of our heart part of the time. He wants our whole heart the whole time, the whole thing. So what instead of ask, for asking God for a little more, instead of saying, God, give me more, we say, God, help me steward what you've already given me. Let's start with what I already have. Let me steward this and then see what goes from there. And I know the one thing we do all have is our heart. We can give that to him all the time. The first thing we have to settle is the issue of ownership, right? We come down to when it comes to what we spend and how we give, how we serve. It comes down to who owns it, right? What is, who is the owner? I mean, it's easy to say this money is, I mean, if you work for your money, you, know, you go to job, you do a task, you get a paycheck, you very easily just say, I earned this, this is mine. I earned this money. Um, I, made a, I made a bet with my daughter yesterday. It was so fun. We're, so at the wedding, we were playing bingo. And Aurora, she looks at me, and you know, because she's not competitive, and neither am I. But you know, she goes, she goes, all right, Dad, if I win in bingo, you have to buy me Starbucks in the morning. And so, she had a list of things I had to buy her. And I was like, all right, Aurora. But if I win, and she has some money that she's earned, said, if I win, you're buying me Starbucks in the morning. She goes, no, wait a second. <laughs> Let's talk about this. I was like, no, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, you're gonna have some skin in the game, right? We're gonna go for it. And she goes but that's my money. And I was like, oh, suddenly you can, I said, but you can spend my money, right? She's like, yeah. <laughs> Long story short, I won and she bought me Starbucks this morning. Yeah, she, she did do the, dad, so do I really have to buy you Starbucks? And I was like, I teach you life lessons, kid. <laughs> Pay up, right? She bought me Starbucks. The first thing we have to settle is whose money are we spending? Who does it belong to in the first place? We can say, it's mine. I earned it. I can do what I want with it. I get that. I get it. But then we got to look to who gave us the breath? Who gave us the skills? Who gave us the ability to do the job? This is all systemic to Christ's creative work and how he built you, how he formed you, how he's working in you, what he's given you the ability to do. And when it comes down to that, we're using the skills he gave us to get money. And so if you really put it in this kingdom mindset, who is really the owner? It's God's. It all belongs to him in the first place. We are stewards of what he's given us. And a steward is this. A steward is one who owns nothing but is responsible for everything. 
A steward is one who owns nothing but is responsible for everything. Simply put, God is the owner. We are the managers. We're stewards, which means God is the owner, we're the managers. One of the clearest, I, th- I think, things that scripture shows us is that we are the stewards, right? It has, it has to do with being an administrator, an overseer, or, or a trustee of all the stuff God has put in our lives, right? In the New Testament, Many wealthy families had stewards who would manage the household. They, they, would, they would make sure the, the resources go where they need to go. The servants were doing what they were doing. They were in charge of stewarding everything in the house. But they understood that it was not their stuff. They were steward, stewarding their master's stuff. Now, there was, the man in this parable was not accountable to the owner of the universe. He was all looking at himself. He was saying, I think I own it. I'm not giving it up. And we can fall into that mentality too, right? This is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I don't need to do anything to anybody with whatever. This is mine. We need to switch our mentality and understand that the minute we walk in and say, look at what I have, we say, God is allowing me to steward this stuff. If I understand that I don't own but I manage, it's easier for me to be a good steward with it. It's easier to responsibly give back to the owner knowing that there will be accountability for it. For example, I personally have a retirement guy that I work with. He helps with the investments. He helps with the, the managing of the funds. And I'm not even going to pretend to begin to understand how retirement stocks and investments work. I know that I've been told if you invest, things can grow. The market changes things. So there's an expert who does it for me. Now, he knows that I give him money monthly to, to put into retirement. And I know because of his work, he gets rewarded based off of his stewarding of my finances. But you know what I love that he tells me? He goes, hey, I'm gonna do the best I can with your resources. He knows that when I, when I write that check and send it, that is not his money. He is managing and stewarding mine. When we have our finances, when we give it out, we gotta understand we are stewarding God's finances. What he has blessed us with, we are now stewarding what already belongs to him. In Matthew 25 and in Luke 19, there's another parable that that Jesus tells. And he tells the parable of an owner, a rich man who has three servants. He gives them all different amount of money and says, take care of all this money. And you may be familiar with the parable. It's a common one. But one guy, two of the servants, they go and invest it. And they build it. And they grow it. And they're really successful with it. But the third servant says, I'm going to keep this really safe. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to remember where I buried it because you don't want to forget that, right? But he buries it. It's going to be there. When the owner comes back, I'll be able to give it all back to him, say, took care of it. Well, the owner comes back and the, the two that invested the money and grew the money, they get rewarded for being good stewards of the money. The one who buried it and did nothing with it, he gets everything taken away from him because he didn't steward what God had given him or what his owner had given him. But that's an analogy to what, what God is giving us. It says, what are you going to do with this? Don't do nothing. Don't be frivolous. Be wise with what I'm giving you. Jesus teaches us that what we have came from God and it belongs to God. God entrusts us with his money, his possessions to us, and he asks us to manage them. And this started all the way back in the Garden of Eden when God entrusted the care of the world to humanity. But whose world is it? It's God's world, right? It's not ours. He created it. He formed it. He spoke it into existence. He wants us to care for it as he intended. From that moment on, from the very beginning, we became managers, not owners of the things around us. It all belongs to God. And we got to understand too, we don't just look at all the stuff around us and say, this belongs to God, this belongs to God. It starts somewhere. It starts with us. It starts with you. We belong to God. We belong to God. The unilateral principle across the board 
1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We're not our own. We were bought. We were purchased. We were paid for by the blood of Jesus. We belong to God. We got to understand that since we belong to God, that just trickles down to then. If we belong, all of our stuff, it all belongs to him in the first place. We get to steward this. We were bought at a high price. No higher price could be paid for us than what God did. We are his. Everything we have, our time, our talents, our treasure, our life, it's all his. It's, it's on loan for us to manage, but he bought us and he wants us. Well, so often we, we, we compartmentalize things. We'll say my life, my money, my stuff, my sexuality, my things, my time, my fill in the blank, right? We could say that about anything. This is mine. When we realize that all we have belongs to God and we're managing it for him, it changes our focus. It really changes our focus because it, it allows us to say, it's not mine. It's not mine. I can give it because it's already his. And I want to close with a few principles that I think will help us move from a spend mentality to a steward mentality. The first one is this. Determine your standard of living. Determine your standard. That involves making a budget, figuring out what is the, what is the lifestyle I'm going to hold. Said if, if your outgoing exceeds your income, start by changing that. Start by changing that, right? We, do, we need to answer the question, how does God want me to live? How, how does God, what is God calling me to do? Determine this. Let's seek God's call in your life and start there because then lots of things are going to start falling into place on how you steward what you have. If you know what God has called you to do, you will then be better able to manage your stuff. If we don't determine this, we can naturally fall into a, a consumptive, undisciplined lifestyle characterized with selfish spending really quickly. Really, really quickly. Consumer culture comes in, and we have this culture that just pushes us to spend. Determine, what is God calling you to do? And that's going to shift. All right, well then, what do I need to spend on? How is this going to prioritize in my budget? And then figure out, answer this question. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Ask this question, when do you have enough? You look at, we look at all your things, when do you have enough? And look at Luke 12, 15, where Jesus said this, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist of the abundance of possessions. Jesus challenges that, that consumeristic culture, right? He challenges. He says, when do you have enough? Know when you have enough and know how to manage what you have. You know what one of the biggest and fastest growing businesses in America is? So blow your mind. Storage units. It is one of the biggest, I mean, I can't say up and coming because they're everywhere, but it's one of the biggest and most fast expanding businesses in America, storage units. That's crazy because homes are getting bigger, people are buying bigger homes, and we, we still rent storage units to, to put more stuff, and it's growing at a rapid pace. This is, this is fascinating when you look into it because we want more room for more stuff. We put these things together, bigger homes, so much stuff, we have to rent storage units to hold it all together, and I think this is where the challenge comes in. Do you have enough? Do we have enough? How do we know when we have enough? Don't store up things. Don't store up our treasures here on earth. Make sure we're storing our treasures in heaven. Determine how we're going to live. Second is live by a plan. Live by that plan. Once you determine your appropriate standard of living, you say, all right, this is what God has called me to do. I think this is the, the standard we have for us now. Plan to reach that goal. That plan is a budget. 
And some people hear that B word, the budget word, and they feel like this is, the most, this is the most restrictive thing I've ever had to do. In all reality, when you get a working budget, you know what that is. I feel like that is the most freeing thing. You know exactly where everything's going. You know how to manage, you know how to steward it. You don't have to be stressed because you have the budget. You have the plan. It's freeing. It guides you and tells you when you're on course, and not j- just as a, a map does, right? Your GPS tells you when you're going into an unfamiliar area. I still think they should program insults into GPSs when you just blatantly miss one of the turns. But a, a good budget is that map. Let it guide you and center your budget around what God has called you to do. Not having one's going to cause frustration. The average family's ambition is to make as much money as they're spending. That's not necessarily the best way. Biblical stewardship makes sure your plan, you're living by your plan, does these three things. So biblical stewarding would say, do these things when you make your plan. One, make sure you're giving to God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all you have. Make sure that when you make your budget, you're honoring God first and foremost before anything else happens. Honor and give to God. Second, you guys aren't going to like this one. Who brought the tomatoes, right? <laughs> taxes. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, taxes. You know, Jesus said this, right? So if, don't get mad at me. This is the Bible, right? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Mark 12, 17. And then Paul says in Romans 13, 7, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. The T word, right? Oh, nobody likes that. But when you make your budget, plan for it. It's there. It's scriptural to pay it and be diligent with it. The third is this. I call it debt retirement. This is not the saving for retirement part. This is debt retirement. Get rid of your debt. Find a way to get out of it. Psalm 37.21 says, The wicked borrow and do not repay. If you don't repay those who have loaned you money, guess what you've done? You stole, right? Get out of debt. I know it's not easy, and I know everyone's situation. I'm not telling everyone that it's super easy, do it. Here's exactly how you do it. I know everyone's situation is different, but if you're in debt, do your best to get out of it. Don't be a slave to the lender. Be free. Debt retirement is a priority. Romans 13.8 says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That's the good debt. Debt to love one another. But, but get out of debt. Make your budget in a way where you are free and not strapped down because you owe other people or things money. And for lastly, savings. Make sure you save. We talked about this last week with hoarding and saving. Proverbs 6, 6 8 says that we ought to learn from the ant. It uses ants as an example of the ant knows it has to save to get through different seasons. Save. And I recommend that you do it automatically. I know that there's, we have a system set up personally where after I get paid, some things automatically get deducted, so I don't have to worry about it. It just goes. I don't see it. I don't spend it. It is gone. It is going away to retirement. It's going away to tithing. It is going, it's getting set aside. But find a way to make sure that you're saving for your future. Not hoarding, but saving for your future. And ultimately, after all these things, ultimately it comes down to living in a way where you value what heaven values. And we can reflect that in how we spend our money. Spend your money in a way that shows we value what heaven values. Measure everything in the light of the love of Jesus. Measure everything that way. J.C. Ryle said this, the fear of punishment, the desire of reward, the sense of duty are all arguments in their own way to persuade people to holiness. 
but they are all weak and powerless until a person loves Christ. They're all powerless until a person loves Christ. I want you to stand with me and I'd like to invite the worship team up as we come to a close this morning. But said at the beginning, the gospel, the good news, is that, is that God acted in Jesus Christ to save each and every single one of us. That is the best news ever. He, come, he came to our rescue, reconciling us to himself, redeeming us, giving us brand new life in him. And when we are new creatures in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, and we are saying, God, I am all in. All of me is all in all the time. And that's our challenge today. When it comes to everything, including your finances, let Jesus be the one that rules it. Let him rescue all of you. Let him rescue your finances. Let him be in charge. He loves you and wants the best for you in every aspect of your life. And when we know Christ's love for us, we'll respond in a way that shows that we love him. We understand that he came, he lived, and he died for us to be free, to have an abundant life free of things filled with him, filled with him. This will shape our life in every way. And I want to just give that opportunity now. If, if there's anyone in here who has never given your life to Christ, you never said, you know what, God, I want you to encompass everything about me. I, I believe in who you are. I believe in what you did for me, and I want to follow you. I want to give you a moment right now just to say, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I know some people can get kind of hesitant with it, but I want to invite you to say, you know what, come talk to me after church. Come talk to me. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you and, and share with you what Jesus has done for me and how he has freed me in the old way only he can free me in all aspects of life. And it is so awesome when you see what he's doing in your heart and how you can share that with others. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that you paid the price for us. You bought us and you did it willingly because you love us, God. So for anybody in here, God, that, that's maybe on, on the fence of, of, of wanting to know more about you, God, I pray you touch their heart. God, I pray that, that people who don't know you come to know you and come to give their life to you and, and experience the love that only you can have and the joy and freedom that you bring and you bring it to the fullest, God. So be with us, be with our finances. Allow us not to just be spenders, but to be spenders of your love and use you and show your grace to people each and every day. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen. amen.